good and he does all things well. Amen. He is a good God and I'm so excited to be here. So while I'm getting my music stand up here and getting it ready, why don't you take a moment, talk to your neighbor, introduce yourself if you don't know them, and talk about your favorite Olympic moment or what exactly, what exactly the tragically hip means, okay? If anybody knows what that means, um, talk to your neighbor, neighbor for a moment. I'm going to sit up down here. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Some deep conversation happening. I was overhearing just some really impassioned discussions about why they were called the tragically hip and not the tragically knee or not the tragically toe or something like that. Ah ha ha ha. Ah ha. Um, jumping right into my sermon and moving right along quickly after that bad joke. Um, hi, I'm Jeremy. And nice to see you guys again. I had the opportunity to share a few weeks ago, and it was such an honor and joy to be here and still to be part of this amazing UCC community. We are prepping and planning for DCC, and I'm appreciating all of your prayers, your support, all of the encouragement as we've been doing that. Um, but the thing that excites me the most about this journey is the importance of family and the fact that UCC and DCC, as we go through this transition, are still remaining family together, and that is a very awesome thing. It is a very good thing to be a part of the family of God. And so um, through all this process, what a joy to um, be a part of that. What a humbling experience to be a part of that as a leader, because I see so many of you um, stepping up in significant ways to do things that, that many of us can't do, like many of us can't be all things to all people. And so as a community, seeing you come forward and step up and volunteering and being a part of the UCC DCC experience is just so amazing and so rich and fulfilling and so give yourselves a huge pat on the back for all the hard work that you're doing and I know your hearts and your passions for this community is so good and so um, bless each one of you for the next few weeks I'm going to be looking at Micah 6 8 and um, the book of Micah one of my um, very interesting study as I've been kind of prepping for this, because um, as you know, perspective and worldview is a funny thing. Um, when you take a look at these images that I have uh, somewhere, there we are. You take a look at these images, you can tell as you look at them that. Uh, Images can be deceptive. They can send a message that, you know, can fool us and trick us. And um, you take a look at these two kind of funny, quippy images, and you're kind of looking at that and trying to figure it out, right? You're, you're immediately, you're trying to figure out the worldview of the, the person who snapped that photo and trying to figure out what their intention was and what they were trying to do. You're immediately struck by just some of the, 
you know, the positions and what's going on. And I mean, even if you're younger, older, it doesn't matter. People can be fooled all the time by images that are meant to trick people or images that are meant to be humorous and funny. Art that can be expressions of, of information. But we have to be careful with perspectives and worldviews as we approach them because they, they give a perspective. And we need to understand that perspective and why it is that they have uh, or are saying what they are saying. And so this next photo that I'm going to show you as well has another perspective shot, but it gives a very different meaning. In the other pictures, you saw the, the man playing with the cars, the, and they look like toys. Here's another perspective shot of children with guns and cigarettes. Doesn't that image send a very different perspective to us as people who are engaging the images that we see or the information that we see? Micah 6.8 sends a message, and I'm going to read that to you right now. It says this. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Now, if you're like me, this may be one of the only passages of Scripture that you're kind of familiar with. How many people are with me in that? You've heard this verse before. And put up your second hand if you're familiar with another passage from Micah. There are not many, and if you do that, you're a Bible scholar, I respect you, you're amazing, but there are not many people who take a look at the book of Micah and can think of what Micah 6, 8 is all about. And it sends a perspective to us. We read this verse, and we pull it out of the context of Micah, and we begin to run with this verse, but we actually lose the substance of the book of Micah and what this verse is actually saying to the audience. And so it's important for us to now, looking at Micah 6.8, to actually unpack it, which is what I'm hoping to do for the next three weeks, is unpack this for us as a community, as UCC and DCC, as we're joining together to move forward, to really understand the substance of what this verse is trying to say, and what is Micah all about? What is God saying to community through this? You think of your favorite chocolate bar for a moment. It would be two different, if I gave you a wrapper, chocolate bar wrapper of your favorite chocolate bar. I love Mars bars. So if I were to give you a wrapper of a Mars bar, empty, and then I were to give somebody else a Mars bar with the actual chocolate in it, which one would you rather have? The one with something in it, the one with substance. It's the same wrapper, it's the same information on the outside, but we are, inwardly, we, we need to have the substance of what it is that we have, what it is that we're trying to look at. That's what is so important about perspective, is that the substance is just as important, if not more important, than the information that we're getting. So before we can take Micah 6.8 and we can talk about this verse as, as modern evangelicals and run with it and do the great things. We do justice. We love mercy. We do all these wonderful things. We've got to first stop, pause, and recognize the substance of why it is that we are doing these things. 
Are you following where I'm going with this kind of, as an introduction, is just kind of setting this up. We're going to dive into more of the, the innards of Micah as we go along in the next couple of weeks. But this is kind of where we're going to start. A couple key background things, just for information. Micah was written in the 7th century BC, um, during the same time as Isaiah and Hosea. Jeremiah also quotes um, a little small passage from uh, Micah as well. Uh, which is something that I say in the last point there too. Samaria is the um, focus is the people of Samaria and the people of Judah. And so Samaria is the capital of Israel. Jerusalem is the capital of Judah. And the audience is both. So all the tribes of Israel. After the time of Solomon, the tribes separated into a northern and a southern kingdom. And there's a lot of other details that we'll get into about why that happened and the sin of Israel and the sin of Samaria. But at the time, community was struggling. There was no unity. There was nothing, no focus, no moving forward. It was all a downward spiral. The focus of Micah is two things. And these two things are what scholars think are debating right now. The focus of Micah is two things. Doom, destruction, and hope. In the same seven chapters, you have doom and destruction, and you have hope. Which leads some scholars to believe that Micah must have been written by more than one person. Somebody must have written the doom part, and somebody must have written the the hope part. They couldn't have both been written by the same person, because how can you have doom and hope in the same book, in the same chapter? It just doesn't fit together. It doesn't seem to have any kind of relationship. Um, But there is a unity, and if we look at Micah 1, at the very beginning, we read kind of a little bit of information that kind of reveals why the doom part is so vitally important to the hope part. We're tempted to throw away the doom and just focus on the hope. We like hope. Who likes hope? Who likes doom? Not many of us do, of course. We want to throw that, discard that. We don't want to face it. We don't want to recognize why it's there because our perspective is is focused primarily on the hope that we get, the feeling of hope, the feeling of joy of knowing God, and that is great. But Micah is about balance, the balance of doom and hope and why that is important for us as an audience, as a reader. And why it's important to the, to the Israelites and why it's important to the people of Judah is that they were on a downward spiral because of their sin, which we'll talk about and unpack all those details, but because of their sin, their lack of community, the disunity among them, that they had betrayed God and turned to idols. We can read it right here, Micah 1, 2 to 5. It says this, that hear you peoples, all of you, and this is the indictment against them. Listen, earth and all who live in it, that the sovereign Lord may bear witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple, judgment against Samaria and Jerusalem. Look, the Lord is coming from his dwelling place. He comes down and treads on the heights of the earth. The mountains melt beneath him. And the valleys split apart like wax before the fire, like water rushing down a slope. All this is because of, the, of Jacob's transgression, because of the sins of the people of Israel. What is Jacob's transgression? 
Is it not Samaria? What is Judah's high place? Is it not Jerusalem? The focus is the indictment against the people. And we have two things that we're reading here. The important things are this. That the sovereign Lord is not only the judge of the people, but he's the witness as well. Not only is he the sovereign judge above them, judging their content and their heart and their disunity, but he's the witness. I don't know about you, but as a reader, you read that and you think, okay, I don't care what lawyer you get, but if God is the judge and the witness, chances are you're not going to win that case. That's doom, folks. That's what's called doom. And the reason why it's important for us to understand this this downward spiral is that there is no getting out of it for the people of Israel. It is permanent. His justice, his judgment is coming. They are guilty before him. And if you're reading that as a people, if this message is being spread and being shared, where would the hope be in that? The perspective in that must have been pain, brokenness, sadness, because it's a spiral that you cannot get out of. So deep that there is nothing but doom on the horizon for the people. And not because... They're the innocent party, but because they're guilty against God. You might recognize this guy, Richard Dawkins. He termed the, what we would know and for social media is the term a meme. You're familiar with what a meme is, a meme? You have those you know, beautiful pictures of a little kitty with the um, you know, ball of yarn and playing and then it has this wonderful message about how Jesus loves you and it's like it's passed through social media. Richard Dawkins founded the term meme in one of his books and the reason why he created memetics is to create this understanding that some things are passed on through genetics but other things are passed on through memetics which are messages, information, thoughts that are passed down from generation or person to person that are not scientifically proven or provable. And he called them memetics or memes. Typically, the purpose, obviously, of Richard Dawkins, an atheist, well-known atheist, scientist, was to showcase the, the idea that religion is just this perpetual passing on of false information. There's no basis for it scientifically. It's just people who are wrong passing on wrong information again and again and again to each generation. It's a fairly interesting argument. If you're interested in the atheist Christian argument and debate, you might hear atheists use this, that religion religion is nothing more than a faith that's passed on from generation to generation. It's not real, just something created and fabricated. But within Christianity, the reason that I'm focusing on this and its relationship to Micah and the situation there and this perpetual sin that continues to, to go out of control and out of control like memetics is that 
there's a point in the story where we would say to Richard Dawkins that as Christians, we actually don't believe in memetics. And there's a word that we use that would help him understand that. And it's not a scientific word. It's not a an arg- word that we would use in an argument. The word is repentance. Repentance. And why is repentance so vitally important in this process of spiraling out of control? Why is it so important in a debate against atheists and this argument of memetics? It's important because we are the first to admit as believers in Jesus Christ that at some point in our life, we repented of what we were doing. We repented of the path that we were on and said, God, we're wrong. We are wrong. We're sinners. We were out of control and we weren't going in the right direction. And we repent and we turn. Why this is so vitally important in this story of Micah 6-8 is that before we get to the wonderful, joyful, hopeful part of the requirement of God of doing justice and loving mercy and doing all of these things, it begins with this understanding of repentance. There is a different line that intersects in that downward spiral. And if you're looking at this very simple picture of a line intersecting with a downward spiral, the focus that I immediately had as I was thinking about this was the cross of Jesus Christ. That through him, we have hope. Through him, we have the opportunity to have new life and have it abundantly. That we are no longer slaves to memetics. That we are no longer slaves to sin. That we as believers, it doesn't matter what stage that you are at right now, that repentance is absolutely necessary for us to move forward, hopefully. And we have for far too long used repentance as that word that we no longer want to use in church. It's a thing that we're scared of, but it is absolutely necessary. It is a gift from God as that requirement states, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. In order for us to care for for each other in our community, in our world, it begins with an understanding of the unity between the doom that we deserved as sinners and the repentance that was made available through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. I don't know where you're at on your journey right now. And it just doesn't matter whether you've been in a church for your whole life. It doesn't matter if you're a new believer here and you're questioning and trying to figure out what's going on. It doesn't matter where any of us are on this stage of this journey. I believe that there are, as we proceed with this series that there are those of us who are scared of that word repentance. I believe that there are those of us that are here that are scared of the idea of turning, of stopping that spiral, or maybe you don't even know how to get out of it. 
but there is hope in Jesus Christ. And if that's you and you are feeling like you are a slave to that spiral, you're a slave to that down arrow, you're feeling like God, if I came to church, God would be the judge and he would be my witness. He knows what I'm doing and I can't get out of it. There is hope for you. There is good news for you. Jesus Christ made a way through his death on the cross and his resurrection that you may have life, that you may be set free through repentance of your sin to say, God, I'm sorry. And that is not a doom statement. That is the beginning of hope. That is the beginning of new life. Let's pray. Father, there are people here, and I know that, that, and I know in my own life, in my own journey, as we talk about Micah for the next couple weeks too, we want to quickly escape the responsibility of our sin and move on to let's just do stuff. It's all good what we're doing for you in your name, but Father, I just feel like there's a call to your church, to recognize the importance of repentance again. And so in this place, in our community, in UCC and in DCC, in our city groups, as they start this fall, as we begin to continue to do great things in community, we need to be at the forefront of saying that there is a way to turn. There is a way to change. And I am an example of that. God, you took my sins away. You restored my life from that spiral. And God, if there are people here in this place that are still struggling and still fighting and still working it out, you're fine with the hope of church, but that doom stuff just doesn't, something there that just you're not ready for yet. In order to understand the words of Micah 6, 8, we need to grasp the substance behind it. We need you to change us. I thank you for each person that's here, the journey that they're on, the gifts that they have. And Father, I just pray that as they go this week, that they would be just, that you would just lift them up with hope, but give them a heart for their community. Give them a heart for the fact that doom is still a reality in our world, that there are people in our world that are living in the darkest of conditions, both as victims and as perpetrators. And they need to repent. Thank you. In your great and awesome name. Amen. Amen.